And welcome, 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 one and all, as we venture to the digital side of the broadcast business and we chat to you about what's happening in the world of sports as the Sports Buzz will be your daily destination for hard-hitting, passionate local sports talk you won't find anywhere else. And we will be debuting this show in a few weeks. We will be coming to you live via YouTube once a week, and then we will be giving you the option to be able to hear this regular podcast as an audio feature only through Anchor.fm that will distribute my voice across all podcast platforms for you to listen to and play back if you don't want to see us on YouTube or on video. And... What a year it's been. The sports world here in the New York City metro area has been a bore on the NFL side of things. The Jets are nowhere near entertaining. The Giants are inconsistent. The Mets had another Strong start to what ended up being a pathetic season. The Yankees showed you how vulnerable they can be. And then they made it into a one-game playoff against the Red Sox, and all of a sudden, lights out on their season. The Knicks could be a possible storyline this year with the success that Tom Thibodeau's brought to the forefront with the energy and the excitement that he's brought to Madison Square Garden. The Rangers, Devils, and Islanders, I'm sure we'll get some publicity when the hockey season really starts kicking into gear. The Fall Classic is about to begin with the red-hot Houston Astros on the American League side under the Reign of Dusty Baker, looking to win his first ever World Series title, going up against an archenemy of the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, a team that wasn't supposed to get to where they are, a team that for the first four months out of the six they played this season was really on the outside looking in. They got hot in August. They really started finding their sea legs in September. And then they got into the postseason. They beat the Brewers. They had a great offensive and pitching display against the Dodgers, won that series in six, and now they will get ready for game one of the World Series tomorrow night in Houston in a series that will be very unpopular to many nationally in the baseball world. And the likes of Rob Manford and the likes of Major League Baseball is dreading what the rating may end up being when all is said and done for this series. But the one thing I can tell you is we come into this series with the storyline for the Astros being 
Dusty Baker trying to win his first ever title. And the Braves trying to proclaim themselves as baseball's elite for the first time in 22 years. And they did it with a veteran guy named Brian Snitker who's been at the helm as manager for the last six years with this team. And what a run he had the end of this year to stamp his name as a possible manager of the year in the National League. And I think this series with the Astros is going is going to be more about the Braves offense countering the Astros pitching than it is about the Braves pitching being able to tame the Astros offense. Both teams can score runs, both teams can hit, both teams can pitch. I do think the Braves have a better back end of the bullpen than the Astros do. I think the home field for the Astros plays to their hand a little bit with having an advantage in this series. And I think the likes of Dusty Baker trying to capture his first title definitely also could play dividend. This reminds me a lot of what we had two years ago with the Nationals and the Astros. It's reminiscent of that type of series. And I think this can be that type of series. I think it can go seven games. I think it could be neck and neck. I think it can be an offensive explosion on both sides. I think both teams have the pitching to compete with one another. But I give the edge on the back end of the bullpen to the Braves. And because I give the edge on the back end of the bullpen to the Braves, I think the Braves can win this series in six games. It may even take seven. But I think the Braves can win this series. And I think when you look at what the Astros have done and you look at all the hits that they put together, especially in the two games, uh, in games uh, four and five at Fenway, and when you look at the offensive explosion they had, you sort of wondered, is this normal? Because again, a lot of people are sour on the Astros. A lot of people are down on them from the cheating scandal with A.J. Hinch. A lot of people are down on them and don't truly believe that they're a legitimate team to be winning the games they've won due to their previous cheating issues. But I could tell you this. Under a Dusty Baker-led team, I think we can pass... I think we can be comfortable knowing that that's more than likely not the case. 
And I think the catalyst for the Braves is going to have to continue to be Eddie Rosario offensively. If the Braves want to win this series, Eddie Rosario is going to have to do what he did against the Dodgers to lift this team and get them over the hump and and to a World Series title. Because I think the Astros have more pieces in place that can make them win the series. I think the Braves have a few pieces that need to really be successful for them to have a shot. But I think they can win the series. It should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure a lot of people wanted Red Sox Dodgers or Astros Dodgers. I know ratings-wise, you wanted the West Coast, East Coast. Red Sox Dodgers would have probably got a good bill of ratings for the television networks. Even Astros Dodgers would have got you some good ratings. The Braves, I don't know how big the Braves are going to play in the New York market. I don't know how big the Braves are going to play in the L.A. market. I don't know how big the Braves are going to even play in the Midwest. They're not a national team, the Braves. They just don't connect nationally like some of these other teams do. The Red Sox are known nationally. The Yankees are known nationally. The Dodgers are known nationally. The Astros have become a national favorite because of all their success over the last seven, eight years in the sport. So I think when you look at the Braves, the Braves are sort of a quiet, low-market team getting ready to take on a team that's had many headlines, that's coming off of a cheating scandal, that brought in a big-name Hall of Fame manager in Dusty Baker to turn the tide, and what a job Dusty's done with this team. The Astros wanted to get away from the cheating scandal. The Astros wanted to get, get their name out of the back pages of the newspaper with being cheaters. You bring in a guy like Dusty Baker, you try to defuse the situation by having Baker bring all the experience he's had over the last 20-plus years in the game. You played a shortened season last year, the 62-game season due to COVID. That really didn't mean much. I don't think too many people left baseball after 62 games of a COVID-stricken year with no fans in the seats and really told you that they thoroughly enjoyed the season or that the Dodgers winning a 62-game season and then marching their way onto a World Series against the Rays was something that was really exciting. I mean, it it had a lot to be desired, the 62-game baseball season. But this year, You played 162 games. You didn't have to worry about a neutral site. You had your fans at your home games. You had your booze at your road games. You had a tough competitive postseason. 
I think the Red Sox were a good storyline with Alex Cora coming back and what a job he did with that young team. I think the 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 leadership of Rafael Devers, I think the production out of Hunter Renfro, I think the postseason production out of Nate Ovaldi, I think the back end with Garrett Whitlock and the storyline he had for that bullpen definitely made some noise and made the Red Sox a legitimate force. But the Astros were too good hitting-wise, and you knew going back to a Game 6 in Houston that everything was going to have to go the Red Sox way. They got a great performance from Evaldi, but the offense for the Astros showed up late, and the Red Sox couldn't tame it, and that's why the Astros are in the World Series. The Braves really pitched their way to the World Series. Their offense didn't do much in the postseason. They had a lot of one-run, two-run games, but their bullpen was really the reason why they got to where they were because they got a good five, six quality innings from their starters, and then their bullpen was able to go in there and really lay the nail down and do what they had to do to keep the opposing team off the scoreboard and win the game late. And that's what they did to get to a World Series. And I think we will be very intrigued to witness an Astro Brave World Series Game 1 tomorrow night. In Houston. I know I'm looking forward to it. And I know I could come to the microphone. And give you some good quality content. Because I think it's going to be a good series to talk about. Over the next week, week and a half. Again, this is Kevin Wolf. You're listening to our digital pre-debut episode of the Sports Buzz as I'm giving you a little taste, a little flavor of what we're going to bring to the microphone on a regular basis when we get ready to launch this digital property soon. We'll be coming to you live once a week on YouTube and then we will also be available as an audio-only property through Anchor.fm and available across all social media and podcast platforms available for podcast playback. Now, we'll delve over to the NFL a little bit. And I could tell you one thing. The NFL in the New York metro area the last several years has been anything but exciting. It's been frustrating. It's been dismal. It's been embarrassing at times. It's been hard to watch. It's even been tough to really talk about. Because whether you're a Jet fan or whether you're a Giant fan, you sort of have been on the same negative train over the last six or seven years. The Giant success ended when Tom Coughlin walked out the door after a decade as head coach with two Super Bowl trophies and a Hall of Fame quarterback in Eli Manning. The Jets' success sort of lost steam 
when Rex Ryan left. But the Jets really haven't been a legitimate force since the Parcells era. And what boggles my mind the most, being a passionate sports fan the way I am, is the fact that you have the John Maras of the world and the Steve Tishes of the world on the Giants side, and then you have the Johnson family on the Jets side who go out there telling you they want to win, they want to put the fannies in the seats, they want to bring an excitement Back to the NFL. They want the fans to be excited to go and watch these teams. They want the jerseys sold. They want the name recognition. But they haven't gone out there and proven that they want to be a legit team in the NFL. The Jets went in and brought in an inexperienced head coach in Robert Sala who was a defensive-minded coach coming over from the San Francisco 49ers. They got rid of a veteran quarterback who was on the teetering point of being big-time in this city for the New York Jets in Darnold, Sam Darnold. They go out there and they get Wilson. They tell you that Wilson is going to be the next quarterback of this team, that he's going to be the promise that we need offensively, but they're the youngest team in the NFL. They're 1-5. They let Bill Belichick obliterate them yesterday afternoon at Foxborough when he put up 53 points on the New York Jets, which was a downright embarrassment for a Week 6 game in the NFL. And they're basically on the outside looking in with a head coach who's lost, with a quarterback who doesn't have an ounce of experience, with a fan base that is practically on the teetering point of just sick to their stomachs because it's just been the same saga year in and year out. And they've been a horrible organization from the top down with the way they've run things. And I don't know how many times the New York fan is going to have to watch a professional New York team go out there and rely on inexperience to prove that you can get over the hump and start winning again. Because it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked with the Mets and the inexperience they gave you with Rojas and Mickey Calloway and all of the issues they've had year after year with winning. I understand 2015 we got to a World Series, but that was a fluke. I get it. It was just a magical year with good pitching and good hitting and the coattails of Daniel Murphy in the postseason that really got the Mets to the World Series, but then they played the Kansas City Royals and sort of went lights out in five games. But Terry Collins at least gave you some excitement as manager and made sure that the best pieces were in place to try and go out there and win every day. I don't know what the Johnson family or the Tish and Mara family thought 
when they went out there and they got you Adam Gase, who was a bust for the Jets. Then they go out there and give you Salah, who's been nothing but a bust so far through six weeks. And then the Giants go out there and sell you a bill of goods with a special teams coordinator and Joe Judge, who was under the Belichick coaching tree, making it sound like he's going to be the next Belichick of the Giants. Well, so far in the year and a half that Joe Judge has put the Bose headset on and has strolled the sideline for the New York Giants, he's been anything but. Gettleman wants you to believe that Jones is the future of this franchise. I don't believe that. I think Jones has too many inconsistencies. And I'm not going to take a 25-3 win by the New York Giants yesterday and start gloating at the fact that I think they're a good football team. I think the New York Giants have a lot of issues. I think it stems from the front office down. And I think that if you want to make any headway in this city with the media that follows you on a daily basis and you want to get name recognition back out there and you want to prove that you can be the best, you got to go out there and you got to hire experience. And that starts with an experienced GM who's going to buy into an experienced head coach, who's going to allow the coach to come in and call the shots and make the right moves to get the team back on the map. And a lot of these owners have showed you that money gets in the way. The Giants don't want to spend six, seven, eight million dollars for Bill Cower or a Tony Dungy. And I'm just throwing these head coaching names out there. I'm not telling you that they had any interest in even bringing these candidates aboard. But it has really been a shame that in the biggest market, with the biggest fan base, the most passionate fan base, that we have had to subject ourselves to horrible management, poor play on the field, and really no excitement to latch on to with these two football teams. And I'll tell you one thing, until I see some changes, you won't see me buy a ticket. You won't see me show up to a game. You won't see me go out there and be excited over the fact that I'm a New York Giant fan and let me put my Eli Manning jersey on and be all in. Why would I want to be all in? Have they done anything to prove to me that I should be all in? that I should care about them, that I should be excited. Because everything I've witnessed and watched over the last several years has been the opposite of what they want us to believe. And it's been dismal play with bad coaching leaving the fans mind-boggled 
and uninterested. in the product that we're trying to sell. And until the Giants and Jets can show me more or show me that they at least want to go out there and attempt to try and be a New York football team, I'm not buying into any of it. I think the Giants have the inner workings to get to be a better team faster than the Jets do because I think the Jets just have a lot more holes. I think the Jets are too young. The Jets got rid of a lot of veterans. If the Jets would have kept Sam Darnold and did everything in their power to work the offense around the leadership of Sam Darnold, I think the Jets could have put themselves back on the map. But when they went out there and they got Salah and they got rid of Darnold, I knew right then and there it was going to be a horrible rebuild for this organization for the next few years. And I don't even think it's going to be two or three years that we see them get on the map. You're playing in an AFC East that for the last decade has been dominated by Belichick and the Patriots with the likes of Tom Brady. Now it seems like Buffalo has sort of taken over the leadership of domination in the AFC East as Belichick tries to retool the Patriots under the likes of Mac Jones and tries to get Mac Jones to be the next Tom Brady that can be the long-term fix for this Patriot team as they watch Brady win game after game under Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know that Super Bowl last year that Tampa won definitely ate Bill Belichick up. That's why he sort of made a lot of headlines Two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football when he had one of the best schemes ever to go up against and try and beat Brady, and he almost did it. It was a classic football game. It didn't go the Patriots' way, but it was a classic football game. Any game the Patriots play in tends to be a great football game. And I think the Giants have to worry about the Dallas Cowboys because I think the Dallas Cowboys are on a path now where they're going to be a legitimate team for a long time in the NFC East. They brought the right guy in, in Mike McCarthy. It took McCarthy two years from Favre to transition to Rodgers and make the Packers a legitimate force in the NFL. It's now taking McCarthy a year and a half with Kellen Moore's system in play to really make Dallas a viable threat in the NFC, a legit Super Bowl contender because Dallas has all the pieces and Dan Quinn has done a great job with that defense and that secondary so far has stood the test week after week to prove that they're a legit legit defensive football team and a well-rounded overall team in the NFL. They've got every thing from offense to defense to special teams. They got a polish on it all and it's all gelled very well for them this year. And I think Dallas with the likes of Mike McCarthy and what we've seen out of Dak Prescott is definitely going to be 
a legit force in the NFC East and will probably be the division leader for a while unless the Giants can make some headway. The Washington football team, you like what you watch out of them, but they're just not quite there yet. They need a few more pieces. I think their defense is stronger than their offense. You know you're going to have fun watching what Rivera what Ron Rivera is going to do on a regular basis. That always is fun. But I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the talk of the NFC East. And right now, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be the talk of the AFC East with the Patriots always being on that. Right under that level until they find their way with Mac Jones and become a legitimate contender again under the likes of Bill Belichick at the helm as head coach. So I gave you a little preview of the World Series. We discussed the Jets and Giants. Again, this is a pre-debut episode of the Sports Buzz. I'm just giving you a little flavor of what's to come as we get ready to launch our digital property which I am very much looking forward to. Hard-hitting, quality, passionate sports talk. You won't find anywhere else your one-stop shop destination for everything happening in the world of sports. We'll try and get some big-name interviews. We'll, we'll try and keep you abreast of everything happening in the world of sports on a week-in, week-out basis. We're going to make the main feed a live YouTube video feed. And then we're going to make it available for podcast playback through Anchor.fm across all social media platforms and podcast outlets. And before I wrap up this Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf pre-debut episode, let me just say that The medium of radio has changed drastically over the last few years, but really took a killing when the coronavirus pandemic plagued the United States of America and pretty much turned everything upside down in our daily lives. And radio has always been an outlet where people would go to for their news, for their favorite music station, to hear their favorite disc jockey, for their take on what's happening in the world of sports on a sports talk station. Or you can go to a news talk station for the likes of any political discussion being talked about on that particular day. And growing up, knowing that you had radio by your side was always a comfort. Now, it really hasn't become a comfort anymore. It's become a secondary alternative to what the media business has to offer. 
podcasting, digital platforms, the likes of iTunes, There's many other means and ways to go out there and get your content. And unfortunately, it hasn't been the world of radio over the last few years as we have seen commercial and terrestrial radio in itself take somewhat of a step back from the good old days. And I bring this up because if you're a sports talk listener or you're a sports junkie or you're a passionate sports fan who has lived and died by your regular taste of sports talk, you will know that there's been a lot of changes over at WFAN in New York. Mark Chernoff recently stepped aside after his 33-year successful run in the radio business. He left WFAN. He handed the baton off to a younger generation. And WFAN, unfortunately through the likes of the pandemic that really changed the world as we know it, also suffered some financial hardship and they had to make some tough decisions. So they forced Joe Beningo into retirement. They brought Francesa back from retirement to try and be the close pin to get the station some financial assistance it needed. And then when the pandemic hit, They pretty much had Francesa anchor some shows only to turn around and say, you know what, Mike, I think we have to bid you farewell again. So Mike came back and then left again and retired. See, you got rid of Beningo. You got rid of Francesa. You brought Craig Carton back who really isn't a sports talk guy. He's a radio jock. He's an old school jock. He's he's more of an entertainment value jock than he is of a knowledgeable, credible sports fan. When you think of Craig Carton, you don't think of him as a sports fan. You don't think of him as somebody who can really intrigue the sports talk format. He had success on WFAN and Morning Drive under Boomer Esiason because his shtick that he portrayed on the air every day worked for the Morning Drive audience that was going to him to listen for his entertainment value. It doesn't work on Afternoon Drive in New York. People want to get in their car at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock after a long day's worth of work, and they want to be able to turn the radio dial on, and they want to hear about their team. They want to hear about the pathetic jet loss to the Patriots or the giant win to the Panthers. They want to be able to give you some of their take on what's happening. They don't want to hear Craig Carton talk about nonsensical stupid stuff that nobody really cares about on a day-in, day-out basis. And don't get me wrong. Is Craig Carton a ratings grabber? 
Absolutely. But Craig Carton's a ratings grabber for a certain day part in this city. And again, it worked on Morning Drive because Morning Drive, you can deviate from what the brand is and you can go in other areas and directions. In Afternoon Drive, Afternoon Drive is your most important part of that day park. And you need to focus on what your brand has always been. And that's local sports talk. And unfortunately, WFAN has fallen abyss to a lot of that over the last few years. And when they got rid of Joe Beningo and they got rid of Mike Francesa, you really felt the station took a... dive back. And then... We come to find out that the great Steve Summers, a guy who's christened the WFAN airwaves since its inception, will be calling it quits sooner than later. 74-year-old Steve Summers who in my eyes was probably one of the best broadcasters to ever get a hold of an RE20 microphone at the Astoria Studios and deliver sports talk to you the way he could. He was one of a kind. He is one of a kind. And you'll never find anybody deliver the content or give you a monologue like Steve Summers would on a regular basis. And unfortunately, his time is coming to a close end on WFAN. And it's really sad to see how the state of radio has changed over the years. And it's sad to see such a great radio station like WFAN that may have launched in New York, that may have been a local property for such a very long time as a local outlet for sports talk. But the difference in a local sports talk station and WFAN is, although FAN geared themselves for New York sports, which is what we do, which is what we pay attention to and focus in on every day because we are in the New York metro area, WFAN was known nationally thanks to the likes of Mike and the Mad Dog who really put WFAN on the scale and gave them the notoriety they needed to be a national brand across the country. They would go to Florida and do a show at Radio Row and people from all walks of life across this country who were visiting that venue or going to that particular Super Bowl game knew Mike and the Mad Dog, knew WFAN. They were the reason why WFAN had the success it had. 
So was Don Imus, but Don Imus was a news talk program on in the morning on a sports talk radio platform. And Don Imus helped brand Mike and the Mad Dog and really bring WFAN into into a form of popularity that spiraled and made it the best sports talk station to ever broadcast sports and made it what it was at one point. A popular station on the AM dial that the passionate New York sports fan went to to get their takes on what's going on with their team. And these days, it's really hard to digest what you hear on the radio on a regular basis because most of it, it's not appealing. Most of it doesn't have a lot of entertainment. Most of it doesn't make you latch on or catch on to want to listen to more of it. The radio business, sadly, as we know it, has lost a lot of its steam. And then COVID came along and it pretty much collapsed. Now, they're trying to find a rebound. Steve Summers leaving at 74 years of age with 33 years, 33 years under his belt at that one station. Whether you listen to him on the overnights or you listen to him late at night in between a game that was being broadcasted on WFAN, When you listen to Steve Summers, you thought of FAN. And the icon is going to be missed. The Radio Hall of Fame broadcaster is going to be missed. And let's hope that we can get back to a time where we can enjoy what radio has to offer. But I think as we continue to advance in technology and as we continue to advance in the world of podcasting or digital streaming or digital media or even social media, I think it's going to continue to hurt and harm commercial radio. Then it will help it in the long run. So thanks to Steve Summers for a great 33-year broadcasting career on WFAN. And also thanks to see Steve Summers for all of the entertainment value and passionate talk he brought to the airwaves. Because he was somebody 
who would bring you a dynamic of what's happening in the world of sports like nobody else would. And for that, we have to cherish every moment that we had an opportunity to listen to Steve Summers. I thank you all for taking the time out to listen to me rant and chat with you a little bit about some different areas of what's happening in the sports world and the media entertainment business. Again, this is Kevin Wolf. This is our pre-debut episode of The Sports Buzz. We will be launching live soon on YouTube and will be available for podcast playback across social media platforms through anchor.fm. I am looking forward to it. I'm just finishing up some of the branding. I'm finishing up some of the jingles and stuff. And once I get all that situated, we should be good to go. We'll get ready to launch and we will bring you a sports talk program like you can't get anywhere else. And we will do it for fun every week because you deserve good quality sports talk programming by listening to the sports buzz on a daily basis. So as I leave the airwaves, I look forward to bringing you the sports buzz live pretty soon across all digital outlets. Thank you all for tuning in, folks. Adios. Until next time.